Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. Or you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters and support the show monthly at patreon.greatdetectives.net. But now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date, September the 25th of 1950, and this one is A Case of Butter. Nightbeat. This is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with a crash on the highway and ended with a whole city fighting for its life. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Joe's Diner is located about 10 miles out of town on the highway going north to St. Paul. Joe caters to the truck drivers who wrestle those big 20-ton diesel jobs. You know, the ones that scare the pants off you when you have to hedge over to the side of the road so that they can pass. It's strictly a man's spot. The stakes are juicy and the conversation even juicier. I stop in there once in a while myself to take on a little of Joe's home cooking and improve my vocabulary. Like tonight. All right. Oh, how many hands you think I got? Like enough to push? <laughs> I grabbed a stool at the counter and waited for Joe to catch up with me. Ah, uh, Joe, scramble eggs when you get to it. Oh, I'll be with you in a minute, Mr. Stone. Fried and butter, Joe. Lots of butter. How else? Good, good. I'm starved. Nine o'clock? You ain't had your supper yet? No, that's breakfast. I'm just starting out. Oh. <laughs> You're as bad as one of these truck drivers. Here, this will hold you. Joe banged a cup of coffee on the counter in front of me, and then it happened. It was a desperate shriek of brakes and a crash out on the highway. In five seconds, a dozen men were on their feet racing for the door. Holy mackerel, call the cops, Joe. Tell them to send an ambulance. It was almost a quarter of a mile away, but long before I got there, I could make out the shape of a big semi-trailer truck and jammed into its rear end a brand-new sedan. We still had about 100 yards to go, and the truck roared up and started pulling itself loose from the wrecked car. Get his license number, somebody! The guy on the truck hadn't put his lights on, and he pulled away before anyone could get close enough. The sedan was there over on one side, and it was a mess. The boys got the car right side up and dragged the driver out. He was soused to the gills. In a little while, the cops were there working him over. 
And then I saw this other guy over by the ditch across the road. Hey, hey, you all right? Who ran out on you? Are you hurt? Look, mister, I got to get away from here. Oh, oh, I I see you're in the truck. Yeah, yeah, I was in the truck. Look, I got to see a doctor, this hand of mine. Cops will take care of it for you until the ambulance gets here. Oh, I don't need no ambulance. Uh, Here's another one over here, Sergeant. Okay. I tell you, I can make it okay. Well, hello, Stone. How did you get here, Fly? Hi, Sergeant. This fellow in the wreck? He was in the truck. Yeah? What's your name? Uh, Harry Waldo. Driver's helper? No, I just bummed a ride. The guy gave me a ride about a hundred miles back. Uh-huh. Where do you live? Here, yeah, Chicago. You get the license number of the truck? No, I, I didn't pay no attention. What was the driver's name, Waldo? Well, I didn't ask him. Well, who was he driving for? Was there a sign on the truck? No, it was dark when he picked me up. I didn't notice. What was he hauling? What should I know? I just bummed a ride. Say, who is this guy, officer? Do I have to answer his questions? It won't hurt any. Was it a refrigerated truck? No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, that's the first thing you seem sure of. How come? Oh, it was kind of all beat up. and Well, it just didn't seem like no icebox, that's all. This guy's trying to play hide-and-go-seek with you, Sergeant. That truck was a cooler, and he knows it. How come you're so sure? Ammonia gas. Can't you smell it? It's all over the place, including your overalls. Hose connection must have broken in the crack-up. Look, wise guy, whoever you are... Randy Stone, Chicago Star. This officer wasn't Come here. on, come on. None of that now. Okay. I'm in the truck. There's a crash, and I get out to see what hit us. And while I'm on the ground, a truck driver pulls out on me. So what does that make me, a suspect in a murder case, or, or just paper boy just looking for a story? Oh, sure, sure. I'm always looking for a story. Brother, this sure has the makings of one. A fish story. The sergeant got a few more vital statistics on Harry Waldo and then let him go with the usual business about keeping in touch in case the police wanted him for further questioning. After the mob cleared, I went over the area again in the dark. There was nothing. In the ditch, I noticed a battered-up wooden box, the kind they shipped butter in. There was nothing there. So I went back into Joe's and phoned the story into my paper. I told the city desk where I could be reached, and then I got busy on that much-delayed order of scrambled eggs. Mmm. Oh, they're good, Joe. Hey, the others got cold. I made them fresh. Lots of butter, the way you like. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Hey. You know, I can't get over that truck running out on the crash. What do you want to do that for? Must have known it wasn't his fault. Well, who knows, Joe? Maybe he had a date. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Joe's diner. Joe's talking. Yeah. Hold on. It's for you, Mr. Stone. Take it in the booth. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Hello. Andy, this is Mac on the desk. Oh, well, that figures. On that crash story you phoned in, is that all you can give us? What else do you want? How about the truck? What was it hauling? I'm sorry, Mac. All I know is what I phoned in. Did you ask around? Well, of course I asked. Nobody knows. You'd like to send out one of your better men oh, for a follow-up. Oh, funny stuff, Randy. Could the truck have been hauling butter? Butter? Why? Something came in on the wires this afternoon. I thought we could tie it in with the truck running out. Oh. I'll read it to you. State line, Emerson, Manitoba, Canada. This city, hard hit by recent floods, reports theft of 21 tons of contaminated butter, which was 
being removed from the Ajax Creamery for disposal. Contaminated? The condemned butter bearing the trade name of Dandy D had been submerged for three weeks in stagnant sewage water because of uh, recent flood conditions. Health authorities have expressed fears the butter may become the cause of a widespread typhoid epidemic. Typhoid? You think there could be any connection, Randy? Twenty tons of typhoid fever in Chicago? It makes sense, Randy. It's only a little over 900 miles from the border, two days by fast truck. And it's a cinch they'd have a tough time getting rid of it any closer. Randy, you still there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, feeling so good when I'm here. What's the matter with you? Just feeling that I'm on the verge of a story, one that I can do without. I ran back out to the ditch where I'd seen the wooden box. It was there all right. My heart sank when I lit a match and read the words, Number One Creamery Butter, Canada. Then I kicked the box over and saw a couple of greasy packages. There was some sort of a wrapping on them. When I read the words, Dandy D, I began feeling bugs crawling down my throat. I went back to Joe's and got all the newspaper I could find and a pair of cotton gloves to boot. Then I picked up the box, put it in my car, and drove down to the star. Mac's eyes popped through his glasses when he saw it. He got some board of health official out of bed and gave him the story over the phone. By the time we were through taking pictures, they had a crew of experts there to haul the stuff down to the lab for analysis. In the meantime, I helped Mac fix up a spread for the morning paper in the biggest, blackest type we had. Well, does that make you feel any better, Randy? That sure does. That warning ought to make a suspect out of every pound of butter in town. Nobody could possibly buy the stuff now. They'll have to ditch it. Randy, there's over $10,000 worth of butter on that truck. Typhoid or no typhoid, those guys are going to try to sell it. But how can they? No trick to change the wrapper. Only one way to stop them. Find the truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell them that down at police headquarters. Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. Uh, uh, Close that door. City desk. Yeah, Mac talking. Oh, you did? You sure? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do all we can. Yeah, thanks for calling. Who was it? On your way down to police headquarters, Randy, you can take a little time out to pray. That was the lab man from the Board of Health. Well, what was the verdict? That butter is crawling with pestilence and death. Typhoid? Pestilence and death. Those were his exact words. NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. The NBC chimes are laughing, but they're not keeping the reason a secret. They want everyone to know they're laughing in anticipation of the mad and merry antics in store with two NBC fall favorites, Bob Hope and Groucho Marx. Hope returns to the air over most of these stations on Tuesday evening, October 3rd, just one week from tomorrow. Groucho Marx brings his laugh-filled quiz game, You Bet Your Life, to NBC beginning Wednesday, October 4th. Listen when you hear the three chimes for laughs and more laughs with Bob Hope on October 3rd and Groucho Marx on October 4th. And now back to Night Beat and Randy Stone. At first, the police treated the typhoid butter story like it was a circulation builder for the star. But bad news travels fast, and by the time I got in to see police chief Captain Sorensen, he'd heard all about it. 
was a very worried man. Uh, hello, Randy. Come down to help me word my resignation. Oh, it's that bad, huh? Haven't got a thing. What about that Waldo fellow who was on the truck? Have you picked him up? He forgot to arrive home after the accident. Well, that truck's got a hole up someplace. I've set up roadblocks. I've sent out patrols. There's not a back alley in this city that won't be searched tonight. But we still have no real description of the truck. Well, have you checked all coal storages and creameries? First thing, nothing's come in. You know, Mac thinks they may change the wrappers on the butter. Maybe if you call the printer. No good, Randy. You can buy wax butter wrappers in any paper supply house. This thing has been pretty well thought out. Well, no use my adding to the confusion around here. I mind if I go down to this Waldo's place and have a look around? Of course not. It's a boarding house over on St. Mary's Avenue. But uh, look out for the old lady who runs the place. She'll talk you into a corner and keep you there. Uh, don't worry about me, Captain. With little old ladies, I come out fighting all the time. It was half past 11 when I pulled up in front of Harry Waldo's address... It was one of those sad-looking houses that seemed to be held together by memories of what they used to be 40 years ago. Now there was a sign in front that read, Furnished Rooms, Mrs. Angela Barr. I rang and waited. Someone had drawn the curtains apart a little and was giving me the once-over. Yes? Mrs. Barr? Yes, what is it? Can you open the door, please? It's urgent. Gracious, you police are the most persistent... I'm not with the police, Mrs. Barr. Not with the police. But you must be. They've been coming and going all night long. No, no, no. I'm a newspaper reporter on the Star. My name is... A newspaper reporter? What a pleasant surprise. I declare I'm so excited. You must come in the kitchen and I'll make a cup of coffee. No, no, thanks very much. You're very kind, but I really must... What did you say your name was? Stone. Randy Stone. Oh, yes, of course. You sure you wouldn't like some coffee? No, nothing, thank you. I. Mrs. Barr! Oh, goodness, she's awake. Mrs. Barr, who is it? It's all right, Nancy. It's just a visitor. Go back to sleep, dear. Now, there's nothing to be afraid of. Your mother will be home in a little while. Just go back to sleep like a good girl. That's uh, quite a cough. Yes, the child has had such a cold. Poor Ellen is worried sick about her. Ellen? Her mother, Ellen Spencer. She's one of my tenants. Oh, yes. Uh, look, Mrs. Barr, I wanted to ask you some questions about another of your tenants. Oh, uh, yes. Mr. Waldo. The police have been bothering me all night. Whatever has he done? The police wouldn't tell me. Well, he's done plenty. He's stolen a truckload of butter from the flood area up north. Dole. Well, that's not all. That butter is contaminated with typhoid. If it ever gets into circulation, we'll... Oh, how dreadful. How very dreadful. Mrs. Barr, I have a favor to ask. Now, how could I possibly do you a favor, Mr. Stone? I'd like to have a look at Mr. Waldo's room. But the police have already been through his room. Yes, I know, but you know how it is when you've got to write a story. There's nothing like seeing it firsthand. But at this time of night, do I have to let you in? Well, legally, no. Well, then, um... You mean you refuse? Not exactly. Uh, only, surely, a rich and powerful paper like the Star. Now that Mr. Waldo has disappeared, I'm sure I'll never get the rent he owes me. Yes, I see. Now, how much? Oh, dear. Money is so hard to come by when you're old and alone. 
Now, if I had the $50, Mr. Waldo... It's oh, worth yeah. 10 So little. Oh. oh, but then, you're such a nice young man. And I do enjoy your newspaper so much. I'll take it. Her bright little eyes glistened as she took the 10 spot. Well, I guess it's like that when you're old. You can't eat too well, you can't sleep too well... You see life slipping by, but a ten spot is something you can smooth out, put away, and look at again and again. Mrs. Barr followed me around as I went through Waldo's room. For a change, she had very little to say. I opened the drawers in his dresser. I looked under the bed. The kid in the next room was coughing again. I opened the closet door, and the smell that hit me was sharply familiar. Ammonia. In the corner, I picked up a pair of overalls that were saturated with the stuff. My friend Waldo had been home and changed. The phone downstairs started to ring. Oh, dear, the telephone. Want me to get down and answer No, it? no, it's probably Ellen. She's so worried about the child. Will you come down now? Uh, just another minute. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You won't be long. I'd like to borrow these overalls if it's all right. Hmm, probably covered with germs. Well, hello. What are you doing in Mr. Waldo's room? Are you a burglar? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm one of Mr. Waldo's uh, friends. Then can you tell me when my Uncle Jim is coming back? He was going to bring me something from his trip. Well, that's nice. Where did Uncle Jim go? He went away with Mr. Waldo in the truck. But Mr. Waldo is back and not Uncle Jim. Oh, does he drive a truck, your Uncle Jim? He doesn't drive it. He owns it. And he gives me a ride in it, too. Mm-hmm. Your Uncle Jim live here? Oh, yes. Uncle Jim is my really real uncle. He and my mommy are brothers. Oh, yes, I see. Nancy, you naughty child. Mrs. Barr. The idea of getting out of bed. I heard a noise. Back to bed with you, child. That was your mother on the phone. All right, Mrs. Barr. Good night, Mr. Burglar. Good <laughs> night, Nancy. Imagine that child leaving her bed. Was she with you long, Mr. Stone? Oh, no, just, uh, she just told me she had an Uncle Jim. Oh, oh, yes, that's Ellen's brother. He's one of my other rumors. I understand he owns a truck. He's someplace in Ohio now, I believe. Been gone almost a month. Uh, couldn't, uh... Up in Canada. Christians, Christians. You'll simply have to excuse me. I must give that child her medicine. Good night, Mr. Stone. I'd used up my ten bucks worth of welcome, so I drove over to police headquarters and filled in Captain Sorensen on Harry Waldo's overalls and little Nancy's Uncle Jim. It was his first leave. He called motor vehicles and ordered a fast check on the truck owned by Jim Spencer, and then he started briefing me on the more recent developments. The city's in a panic, Randy. Warnings have been going out on the radio every 15 minutes. We've been flooded with calls from the mayor down. Uh-huh. Anyone with a gut ache is sure it's typhoid and wants us to send down a doctor. Come in. Here's the dope on the truck, Captain. No, we're getting somewhere. All right. Broadcast this and keep repeating it every half hour. Get it? Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll get him now. Well, you might try and sound a little more convincing. I left Sorensen chewing his upper lip. Then I headed for the Blue Angel and a little talk with Jim Spencer's sister, Ellen. The Blue Angel wasn't meant to lure the better-class citizen away from his hearth and home. It smelled of stale beer and looked as if it were being lit by half a dozen fireflies. Joe, by your hat, Ellen, 
down an empty booth and asked the waitress if Ellen Spencer worked there. And after a while, a girl came over. She was attractive in a tired sort of way. Ask for me. Will you sit down, Ellen? I've got to talk to you. I brought you some drinks. It's the rules here. If we sit with a customer, they got to buy us drinks. That's okay. What'd you want? To talk. What about? Your brother, Jim. You a cop? No, no. What about Jim? Where is he? I don't know. What business is it of yours? When did your brother and Harry Waldo leave on the last trip? A week ago. Mrs. Barr said Jim was in Ohio. Ah, that old hag. In his second childhood. Mm-hmm. Jim hasn't phoned you tonight? No. What's all the noise about, anyway? The kid gets scared and runs out on a traffic accident, so they'll catch him and give him 30 days. He'll be back. Who told you about it? I heard it over the radio. Really? How did you know it was Jim? Well, I... You spoke to Harry? Yeah. He phoned me to tell me Jim was all right. Did he tell you they were hauling a load of stolen butter? You listen to the warnings over the radio about that butter. It's loaded with typhoid, that stuff is. Oh, that's a lie. Just a smart police gag to get the butter back. Harry, tell you that too? We got some of that butter, Ellen. It's been soaked in sewer bilge for a month. Jim wouldn't touch anything like that. He's a good kid. Maybe Jim thinks it's a gag, too. Might even get to eat some of the stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, mister, I... I'd better go back to work. Ellen, you want it on the I'll have to leave now. If you hear from Jim, tell him what he's up against. Yeah, yeah, I will. And tell him to wash his hands. Good. I followed her to the phone booth or whatever the call was. It was brief. She hung right up, so I went outside, watched her through the door. In a few minutes, she came out wearing a coat. I slipped around the corner, watched her climb into a cab. I jumped into my car and followed. The cab stopped in front of her house. I parked my car half a block away, waited until all the lights went off, and then I got out and walked around to the back of the house. Somewhere inside were the directions to that missing butter. It was easy raising one of the kitchen windows. I climbed in. I stood for a minute, getting used to the dark. And then suddenly a switch flicked on and the place was flooded with light. Randy Stone, a squire, standing there, stupidly blinking his eyes. Ellen walked a few steps toward me. She didn't scream. She didn't holler. This carrying your job a little too far. I uh, knocked on the door, but nobody answered, so I turned the knob. Well, turn it again and get out. Somebody phoned you just before I left the Blue Angel. Was that Jim? That's none of your business. Now get out. If I go, Ellen, the place will be swarming with police in 15 minutes. What do you mean? Just this. You know where Jim is. If you won't tell me, you'll have to tell the cops. And when you do, you'll be involved. They'll make you an accessory. Well, let him, let him. Where's the old lady? Out for a drive. At 1.30 in the morning? She's the one who phoned me. She said she was going batty with cops hanging around. She had to get out of the house. Ellen, for the last time, where's Jim? I told you before, I don't know. They're closing in on him. You'll be doing him a favor. They get him before he sold any of that stuff. Oh, are you still working that typhoid gag? It's no gag, believe me. You want the lab report on no. it? No. All right, then listen to it this way. Maybe you'll understand it. The kid sits down to eat, and his mother hands him a piece of bread and butter, only it's not butter. Something has been lying around in the filthy sewer water for a long time. Ten or eleven days, a kid gets sick, like your kid. He's burning with fever one minute, and the next minute he's as cold as ice. His tongue is thick, and his guts feel like they're bursting. That's what typhoid is Stop like. Stop it, will you? A good doctor gets to him, the kid may live. Lots of kids may not be that lucky, Ellen. Also, you can keep your kid brother out of jail. Look, I don't know where he is. When did you talk to Walt? He phoned me at the club. He laughed about that typhoid. Where did he phone from? I don't know. Someplace in in town. Now, let me alone. Would that be... I'll take that. No, you won't. Ellen made a grab for the phone, but I beat it to it. She clawed at me. I had to get rough, but I got the receiver. Hello. This is 
is the long-distance operator. Yes. On your call to Elwood, we are unable to contact Mr. Jim Spencer. Shall we continue to try? Uh, no, thank you. Was that uh, Elwood? Yes, sir. Elwood, Illinois. Thank you, sir. That was it, so they'd gone on to Elwood. I called Captain Sorensen. He picked me up in a squad car with two of his best men. It was a 70-mile ride to Elwood, and we made it in a little over an hour. It was after 3 a.m. when the clerk at the only hotel in town showed us his register. There was no Waldo and no Spencer. Then Sorensen got a bright idea. He asked the clerk if there was a creamery in town. There wasn't. No cold storage plant either. Just old Mayor Hoskins' ice house down the road. We jumped into a car and drove over. Hello, Mayor. That's nothing but an old barn. Oh, there's a light around the back. Randy, you come with me. You two cut around the other side of the building. Right. Oh, there's the truck, you see it? Yeah. All right, give me a lift, Captain. I'll see if I can get a look in through the window. It's Waldo. Uh, they got the butter? Yep, yep. There's the other one. That must be Spencer. Well, get down. We'll take them now. All right, Spencer, get him up. Jim, the law. Get those hands up, Spencer. You're covered. You too, Waldo. Don't try anything. Who's trying anything? Hold it, Captain. Hold it. Somebody else is coming. Kill the lights. We'll make a sound, you two, if you wouldn't live. We pulled the big door shut, flicked off the lights, and waited in the dark. Guns pressed into Waldo and Spencer. A car had pulled up outside. Whoever it was seemed to be having a time with the door. And then finally it opened, and the lights went on. Mrs. Barr. Oh, goodness. How you startled me. Why, it's Mr. Stone. Have you been waiting long? And here I thought my lazy boys had gone to sleep. No, no, they haven't. And I suppose Harry Waldo has told you all about me. I just know he did. Well, not everything. That is, uh, not yet he hasn't. I just knew that boy had no character. And now I suppose you want to take me back to the city. But I hate Chicago in June. I don't think I'll go with you. Don't come any closer. Drop it, lady. Okay, mother. Randy, get the gun. Yep. Lady, don't you know these things explode? Now, wasn't that foolish of me? I was going to try to get away. But where could I have gone? Where could an old lady go and hide? I do believe I'm getting senile. Isn't that a horrible word, Mr. Stone? Mrs. Barr, this is no joking matter. Don't you understand that butter could have caused an epidemic? Why, of course. Isn't it terrible? Yet you were willing to sell it? You didn't think I was going to eat it myself, did you? It was all I could do to look at the horrible stuff. But $10,000. That's such a lot of money to a poor, poor old lady. Such a lot of money. Ten a.m. and it's all buttoned up. Oh, brother, what a nightmare if a thing like that had ever happened. And all from ignorance and greed. What's that old wheeze about money being the root of all evil? Well, it's not just money. There's got to be a touch of insanity sprinkled in along with it. Like that poor old lady. Poor? When the cops ran a make on her, they uncovered a fascinating record of over 50 years of criminal history, not to mention a dozen bank accounts. Guess she didn't trust banks any too much. Such a sweet old doll. 
Well, at least I got to see the sun come up this morning while we were driving back, climbing up into the sky like a great big yellow ball of butter. Oh, no. What am I saying? Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Lou Russoff and Russell Bender with music by Frank Worth. The part of Harry was played by Don Diamond. Jane Morgan was Mrs. Barr. Others in tonight's cast were Joan Banks, Nestor Piva, Peter Leeds, Anne Whitfield, and Tudor Owen. Frank Lovejoy may currently be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. And now here again is the star of our program, Frank Lovejoy. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's important news about Night Beat. Next week, we're moving to Friday evenings over most of these stations. That's beginning one week from this Friday on October 6th. You'll hear Night Beat at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Fridays. So would you listen then to our next adventure 11 days from tonight. I'll see you on Friday, October 6th. Good night. Listen on Friday, October 6th, and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Night Beat came to you from Hollywood. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Friday, October 6th, means the return of Chester A. Riley, played by William Bendix, in the hilarious The Life of Riley. Mom, Babs, Junior, Digger O'Dell, and the entire cast will be on hand to join in the fun. Saturday, October 7th, is the day when Dennis Day and Judy Canova will be back on the air. Make a listening date now. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. A very different case of not beat. Without that strong character that Randy gets involved with, more a race against the clock. And it's a nice change of pace. Uh, and uh, we also get to hear a character you don't normally hear playing a hardcore villain. And that's uh, Jane Morgan. Or, as more people will know her, Mrs. Davis on Our Miss Brooks. And actually thinking about it, that was a very light comedy with a cast that all could play in some heavier or more challenging uh, roles in mystery fiction. 
or in action adventure. You have uh, Eve Arden, who would play Hildegard Withers in a TV movie. You have Gail Gordon, who played Gregory Hood, and also Flash Gordon. Jeff Chandler, who played Michael Shane, a lot of other roles uh, in film. And Richard Crenna, who would go on to play the Colonel in First Blood. Of course, the character Jane Morgan played, this uh, whole caper was probably a bit over her head. I mean, if you've got a $10,000 deal uh, brewing, why put even a slight risk on it in order to get $10 from a newsman? So she may not have been quite as tough or as clever as she thought she was. But overall, an interesting case uh, in which Randy saved enough lives to make up for the rest of the year. All right, well, uh, Nightbait will be back on this program just a week from today as usual, no matter how big the gap. Join us tomorrow as we get into That Hammer Guy. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.